Good morning, everybody. Settle down with your greeting one another. You guys like each other too much this morning. Welcome to Front Range. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our pastors here, and we're so glad that you're with us, especially if it's your first time or you're still just checking things out. We hope that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And if you've been here for a while, I don't know if you can believe this, we are celebrating nine years as a church this week. Can we give it up for what God has done in our church? Yes. Next Sunday, we're going to have a birthday party. So we're going to throw a big, big celebration and just celebrate nine years as a church. I want to let you know about it so that you can make plans to be with us. We're going to have treats and special stuff for everybody. So come celebrate our birthday with us next Sunday. Now, one of the things that you guys saw on your way in, if you're here in person with us, is you saw these tents and tables in the courtyards, like, What's up with this? What's going on? Well, one of the best ways to build community is to be in community. So what we're doing today is launching a new semester of our community groups and classes. So we've got tables out there representing all the different groups. There's sign-up sheets. And I want to encourage you, if you have not taken a step into community yet, today's your day to check things out. If you can't stay after church to chat with some of the leaders, you've got business cards on every other seat here this morning. There's a link that will take you to all of our uh, listings online. If you're watching online this morning, we'll give you that link as well. But I want to just, I, I just ask you to prayerfully step out in faith today and check out what we have and take that step to make this church a home uh, for you and for your family we got three new women's groups starting. we got a men's group focused on eating wings. Can I get an amen? Um, there you go. we got a new couples group. we got all kinds of stuff going on. We're doing Alpha again this semester. So if you're new to faith or exploring faith, we want to invite you to that. We'll give you some more information on Alpha in the next couple of weeks. But today is the day to check things out and give it a shot. Now, if you're here and you're like, bro, it's my first time. I don't even know if I like you. Like, that's totally fine. We have a meeting tonight uh, called Next Steps. I want to invite you to that as well. This is where you can learn about our history, our vision, our values, get to know our pastors, ask questions, see how weird we are, you know, all that kind of stuff, figure us out. Um, but we're, we're going to have food and childcare, and we just want to invite you to sign up for that. You can do that uh, on the QR code that Pastor Brandon mentioned in the worship guide. Pastor Mike is also going to be at the table in the courtyard that says classes on it. He'll be right there. You can talk to him about next steps. But if you're new or maybe you've been here for a little while and you've just never gone to it, you want to take a deeper step, that's for you as well. So join us tonight. Let's have a party and, and just have a good time. Now, today we are finishing our series on the book of Exodus. And I don't know about you. I'll speak for myself. I have loved this series. It's been one of my favorite series we've ever done as a church. And one of my favorite things that we've done as a result of it is what we call our series hubs. On our website, we're, we're putting resources and information that can help every one of us go deeper uh, from the Sunday morning messages and dig deeper into the series and the books of the Bible that we're studying. We're doing that all throughout the year. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the Exodus resources yet, please make sure that you do that. Again, the QR code and the worship guide will get you there. The messages tab on our website, those are all going to be listed there. But just take that extra step. You hear what we talk about here on a Sunday morning, and if something piques your interest, I bet there's something on that page that'll help you sort of process and go a little bit deeper. So please check that out. Let me catch us up from where we, where we were last week, because we're going to jump ahead a little bit. And today we're going to look at one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. This has been uh, uh, shown in film and, and shows and all kinds of stuff. Today we're going to talk about the parting of the Red Sea. Now let me catch us up a little bit. 
We've talked about how God sent Moses to Pharaoh to demand that he let the Israelites go. And then in a couple of chapters, Pharaoh refuses. God sends plagues, 10 plagues, to humble Pharaoh, to press him, to force him, and to prove his power and to show how glorious and powerful he is. And Pharaoh relents and releases the Israelites from captivity. This is everything they've been wanting, everything they've been praying for, and God is going to lead them into the promised land. But before they get there, there's something they got to go through. God needs to develop this relationship, we'll say, with the nation of Israel. He wants to take them deeper, to stretch them, to grow them, to make them more like who he wants them to be, and to teach them to trust him. And the way that God does that is through something that we all probably dislike, and that's a test. How many of us hate tests? Just a few of us. Okay, last service, everybody hated tests. Some of y'all are weird. That's okay. That's fine. You like tests. That's fine. Here's the thing, though whether we're talking about a test in school or, or some other kind of test, they're not always bad. In fact, tests can be opportunities. The definition of a test is that it's a way to test someone's knowledge, skill, or resolve. Knowledge, skill, or resolve. God uses tests in our lives with him to build us into the people he wants us to be. That's the beautiful thing about following Jesus. We give our lives to Christ. We say, Lord, I'm going to trust you for my salvation. He fills us with his spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And then he guides us. He challenges us. He stretches us. He grows us to become more like Jesus so that we can be more effective for his kingdom. But the way that he does that is through testing our skill, our knowledge, and in particular, our resolve. Let's be clear on something as we talk about this, though. There is a difference between a test from a good, loving God and a trap or a temptation from our flesh, the devil, the world. There is a difference between those two things. And when we face a situation where we are tempted to sin, that is not God doing that. Scripture tells us that God never tempts us to sin. So there's a difference between God trying to grow our faith, stretch us, draw us in deeper to a relationship with him. There's a difference between that and a trap or a temptation from the enemy. Think about the Garden of Eden. At the very beginning, Scripture tells us that God creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in this beautiful place and says, you can have everything, everything you want from this. Just don't eat from that tree. And as my kids' uh, children's Bible says, the sneaky snake comes in and tempts them and says, did God really say that? Are you sure that you will die if you eat from that tree? And they're tempted by the enemy, but God's over here going, I have given you everything you need. You have all you could ever want, including my presence and my relationship. Please just don't go that direction. Just trust me. And they choose sin. They choose to disobey God and everything becomes a mess from there. But what God does in these moments is tries to draw us in to a deeper relationship. He uses circumstances and situations in our lives to draw us towards him, to help us learn to trust him, and to experience more of his love, peace, joy, and hope, and help us become who he wants us to be. He's trying to teach us. I think of my son, Isaac. Isaac is two and a half, almost, almost three, 
and he's really into things like Star Wars because he's my son. Um, and he's really right now into pirates. He's loving Peter Pan. The dude wants to watch Peter Pan like every day, Jake and the Neverland Pirates and all this kind of stuff. All of that results in one of his favorite toys, this sword, which I don't know if you can notice has been, we'll call it used. Um, this sword is one of his favorite toys. It even lights up. See, there's this little red light in there. Um, so my son, every day, he comes and says, Daddy, can I play with my sword? And it's an opportunity for me as a father to test him, to test his knowledge, skill, and resolve. Because one of the jobs for me as a father is to help my children learn and grow and to become lovable human beings that are good, productive members of society. Another of my jobs is to protect my daughter from my son to protect your two-year-olds from my son, to protect our dream team members from my son. So every day, Isaac comes and says, Daddy, can I play with my sword? And I go, yes, do not hit anyone with this sword. And I give him the sword, and I watch what happens. Some of you are like, why are you giving him a sword? This boy's going to find a sword. I'd rather it have a little bit of padding than be like a copper pipe from the basement, okay? He's going to hit something. I'd rather be in control of it a little bit. What happens, sometimes he's better than other times. What usually happens is the sword ends up getting taken away because someone's crying. It could be him, could be my daughter, could be someone else. And he's, he's not passed the test. Now, he's getting better because we have this opportunity every day where he says, Daddy, can I play with the sword? Yes, Isaac, you can play with the sword. Do not hit anyone with the sword. It's not for hitting people. And we just go through this. It is me trying to teach him, trying to stretch him, grow him into a human being who will not hit his sister in the face with a styrofoam sword. It's just a tiny, small example. But we go through these things in our lives all the time, in particular with our relationship with God. All throughout Scripture, we see God bestowing his love and his blessing and his favor upon his people and then getting, getting them to a place where he says, this is an opportunity for you to trust me. This is an opportunity for you to choose the path of righteousness and obedience and go the way that I have for you because it will go well for you or go a different way. And I don't want you to go that way, so I would like to push you in this direction to trust me. This is what the Israelites come to as Pharaoh releases them from captivity and they come upon the Red Sea and it seems like there's no way forward. So what we're going to look at today is Exodus chapter 13 and 14 and we're going to find some things that we need to remember when we face tests with God in our lives. We're going to learn that from the story of the Israelites. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. We also would love to give you a Bible. So if you don't have one, you can stop by the Blue Connections tent in the courtyard and just say, that guy said I could get a Bible. And they'll go, yes, here you go. No questions asked. We want you to have a, a version of the Bible that you can read and understand and spend time with God uh, in. So Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Before we get there, this is the thing we need to remember that we're going to learn from the Israelites here. We need to remember that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Exodus 13, 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And then this next sentence is where you know the Bible's funny. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Y'all didn't catch it. God said, they ain't ready for war. 
And scripture says the Israelites went up out, went, went up out of Egypt ready for battle, and God goes, no, you're not. That's how I know scripture's funny. Y'all may, you'll think about that later. That's okay. The biblical author is trying to tell us they thought they knew what was best for them, and God went, no. Because I know if you face the Philistines, if you face war, you're going to give up and you're going to go back to Egypt. So God, in this moment, knew better for the Israelites. He had a plan, and it was bigger and better than they could comprehend, even if it didn't look like it on the surface. Even if what they saw was the Red Sea in front of them, and as we'll see in a moment, the Egyptian army coming behind them. God had already promised and was fulfilling his promise to free his people. So he was not bringing them to a moment of testing so that he could fulfill his promise. No, he was already doing it. He just wanted to draw them in to deeper trust and show them that he is good and faithful and that he had a plan for their lives. The thing that we need to remember is that God always has a plan. Every detour, every pothole, every bump in the road, everything that happens, God uses for his glory and uses to fulfill his purposes and his plan in our lives. Many of us maybe be like, might, might be like, yeah, but what if I've done this or what about this? You may feel like you've short-circuited God's plan for your life. You may feel like you've gone too far, you've done too much, but I am here to tell you today that if there is breath in your lungs, if there is blood in your veins, and you can hear my voice today, God is not done with you yet. God is not finished with your life. The mistakes that you've made, the things that you've done, all you've done is given him a greater canvas to paint his glory over your life. He is good and faithful, and he is going to rescue and restore and redeem everything that happens in our lives and throughout all of history because he always has a plan. Many of us, we may be sitting here going, yeah, but what about the pain? What about the mistake? What about the miscarriage? What about the divorce? What about this? What about the things that I'm struggling with, the pain that's happening in my life? And I hear you. And number one, I want to say that I'm sorry for the pain that you've gone through, the pain that maybe you're going through right now. And I also want you to know that God is not causing that pain in your life. He's not causing that. He's not doing that to you. We live in a broken and fallen world surrounded by broken and fallen people. And I'm sorry for the pain that you're going through, but I know and believe with all of my heart that God always, say always, always has a plan. God knew what the Israelites needed. He knew how to get them into the perfect position to display his power and his glory and turn this group of refugees into a nation known by his name, by his power, and by his glory. He knew what was best for them, and all they needed to do was trust him. And it's the same for us. So God has Moses lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And we're told something very important in the next couple of verses. It's easy to miss, though, because we don't don't fully understand how this works or what was going on here. But we're told at the end of chapter 13, in verse 21, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Can you imagine how crazy this would be? I mean, again, I don't fully understand what this was. A pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, like, is this a fire tornado? Like, what's, I don't understand what's going on here. 
The point, though, is that God was with his people. His presence was guiding them and leading them. He was with them. And when we face the test in our lives, we can learn from this story that we need to remember that God is always with us. God is always with us. We've said this over and over again throughout this series because it is a major theme in the book of Exodus that God is with his people. He's not left us. He's not distant, far off, just watching us live this whole thing on our own. He is with us. He has just rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He's performed these crazy miracles. He's humbled one of the most powerful leaders in all of history, and he is guiding them right in front of them by this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. And it's at this moment that Pharaoh begins to change his mind about what's happened. Pharaoh goes, what? hold up, wait a minute, we let them go? What are we doing here? And so he picks up his army and says, we're going to go after them, we're going to bring them back or wipe them out, whatever. This massive army moves against the nation of Israel. And again, remember, they are at the Red Sea. And as Pharaoh comes upon them, they look behind them and go, uh, what's going on here? And then another moment that proves that the Bible's funny. Listen to what they say to Moses here in chapter 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? That is a burn. That is a biblical burn that they just put on Moses. Look at what they're doing, though. It's easy to judge, but look at what they're doing. They are looking back at Egypt and longing for what they had versus where God is leading them by his very presence. He is with them. And they're looking at Moses going, why did we leave Egypt? Remember what Egypt was like, though. They're less than three days out. Their backs still hurt from the work that they were doing as slaves. They look back at Egypt and go, I kind of want to go back there. Don't we all do this? We have nostalgia for a time that never existed. They're looking back and thinking of Egypt in a way that's just not real. It's just not true. And they're facing a test from God to trust them, to be guided, to, to, to follow his presence and be faithful and trust his faithfulness. And they're looking back, looking back at Egypt and thinking, I kind of wish we were just back in slavery. And again, it's easy to judge them and look and go, "How you silly Israelites, you've got a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. How could you not trust God? But as followers of Jesus, I think we do this very often in our own lives. When we give our lives to Christ, he, fill us with, he fills us with his spirit, meaning he's with us at every moment of every day. Isn't it also easy for us to forget that God is with us? that God is leading us, that God is guiding us. We may not have a pillar of fire or cloud in front of us, but we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living within us, speaking to us, guiding us. And we often forget that he is always with us. When a storm comes, when a circumstance or a situation presents us with a choice of whether or not we're going to be faithful to God and obey him, he is not far off just going, huh, what are they going to do there? Oh, they messed up. That's not God. God is with us in those moments, speaking. Hey, remember, Scripture says this. Hey, I would love to lead you in this direction. Hey, I would love to help you and strengthen you and empower you to do this. God is always with us. 
The trouble that we have, I think, in our daily walk with Jesus is to develop the spiritual muscles to be able to discern his voice from the voices of those around us, from the world, to be able to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer and just sit in his presence and let him speak to us. We need to be able to work those things out and develop those muscles to be able to hear from God and discern what he's saying. We also need community around us to remind us of the promises of God, to remind us of his goodness and faithfulness, remind us of what scripture says, to encourage us, to challenge us, to hold us accountable. That's why we do things like community groups, so that we can live this Christian life with one another, not on our own, so that we can sit with people and go, man, I'm facing this this situation right now, and I don't know what to do here. And someone goes, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through. Here's how God helped me through that. We need community around us for that. We need community to respond the way that Moses does to this challenge from the Israelites. Look at what he says in verse 13, chapter 14, 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That word in Hebrew, that, use, that Moses uses for deliverance. It can also be translated salvation. It's the Hebrew word Yeshua. It's the name of Jesus that Moses uses here. It's the second time in Scripture it's used. The name of Jesus is used to say, you will see the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. We can trust in God. We can trust in Jesus to be our deliverer, to bring us to his purpose and his plans for our lives. We can trust that he is always with us. You are not alone. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is with us. As followers of Jesus, we have a spirit inside of us. He is with us. Just like he was with the midwives in the early parts of Exodus when the Pharaoh says, kill all the Israelite boys, and these midwives go, We're not going to do that. God was with them. When Moses' parents said, we are going to save our son, we are not going to obey that. We are going to obey God instead. God was with them. When Moses went and stood before the most powerful man on earth at the time and said, let God's people go, God was with him. And God is with you every moment of every single day. The Israelites are facing the biggest test of their lives with God so far. And they just left slavery in Egypt. Just think about that. They're facing death in front of them, death behind. They just left death and slavery in Egypt. On every side of them, it looks like things are bad. But they have the presence of God leading them. And they're told to trust in him, to stand firm, to be still, and they will see the deliverance of the Lord. And then it happens. The moment that we know, the sea parts, the Israelites walk across on dry land, The Egyptians chase after them, the water folds in around them, and they're gone. And then at the end of chapter 14, we see what I think is one of the major points of this entire thing. Look with me. Chapter 14, verse 31. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. When they saw the mighty hand of the Lord, they feared and put their trust in him. They passed the test. What looked like a no-win scenario 
resulted in God getting glory and gaining the trust of the Israelites so that he could take them further, so that he could take them to greater experiences and pour out more of his blessings and his favor on them as his people. The Israelites never forgot this moment. In fact, it creates a foundation that they would build upon for hundreds of years in their faith. If you read the Psalms, it's, it's a book of poems and songs sung by the Israelites over and over again. The exodus from Egypt is mentioned as a testament to the faithfulness of God. This moment would mark them and shape them for the rest of their lives. And on and on for generations to come because God redeemed them, delivered them, and saved them. They learned a lesson that day that they would need to be reminded of. It's a lesson that we can learn as well. That we need to remember that God will always take us to the other side. That God will always take us to the other side. If God has a plan and if God is always with us, surely he would not abandon us to despair. When we obey him, when we follow him, when we trust in him, he will be glorified through our lives. The thing, though, is that the other side doesn't always look like what we want it to or even what we would have expected. I guarantee the Israelites did not expect that God would part the Red Sea and bring them out to the other side. I'm sure they were thankful for it. Here's the thing, though. The other side was a desert. The other side, if I was an Israelite, is not a desert. That's not what I would have chosen for myself because they then would have to trust God for water, for food, for direction to lead them through the wilderness to even get to the promised land. The other side for them was unexpected. The other side was not something they could have predicted, and yet God was in that too because he's good and he's faithful and he had their best interests at mind. He wants the best for them and for us. In my story, I, I gave my life to Christ over 20 years ago. I was as broken as many of you are as we come to Jesus. And I had baggage. Um, my parents and I, my mom in particular, we did not have a great relationship. There was just a lot of stuff that went down. And as I was trying to figure out this whole discipleship thing and following Jesus, I came to a few moments, a couple years in, where I was like, I got to deal with this, this anger, this rage, this frustration from my past. And so I did some counseling, I did work in prayer, and came to a place where I could forgive my mom for the things that had happened. And I did that in my heart and in my mind. And I, I did all of that work, and I thought, cool, done with that. Not that I wasn't still marked by it or anything, but I had worked through deciding to offer mercy and grace and forgiveness. And like, cool, about 15 years ago, done with that, let's move on. Then last summer, my mom was in the final weeks of her life um, dealing with cancer, and I had an opportunity that God opened up to walk out that forgiveness and speak that forgiveness to her. And it's not something I would have predicted. It's not something I would have created for myself. And yet it was an open door where God said, will you trust me? Will you act on that forgiveness? Will you walk in faith and speak that to your mom? And he used that to take me to the other side of something I thought I was already on the other side of. I thought I was done with it. And yet he used that moment to bring more healing and peace at the end of her life. And he gets all the glory for it. The, thing, the reason I tell you that is because I think we often forget that he is always at work in our lives, whether we see it or not. When we face a problem, he already has a solution for it. He's not surprised by the things that we face. He's not caught off guard. He 
is Lord of all, King of kings, creator of the universe, and he is at work on your behalf to bring all things together in redemption and restoration, to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, the Lord is in it. He is with you and he's going to bring you to the other side and it may not look like what you want it to. It may not look like you expect, but trust him in it. Trust him with whatever you're going through. Maybe we need to stand on what Moses said to the Israelites to encourage them. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word and for these stories that we can look at and see your faithfulness and your goodness and know that it's not just a story in a book that we read, but it's history of your faithfulness to human beings just like us, where you draw us in closer to a relationship, where you pour out your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives and you deliver us from evil. You deliver us from temptation. You deliver us from our past and the pain and the things that we've gone through because you are a good and loving father. You proved that by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. While we were yet sinners, it says in scripture, Christ died for us. As we're in this moment of prayer, maybe you're here in this room, you've never given your life to Christ and you're checking things out. You're like, man, I need this. I need Jesus. I need God's forgiveness. I need his love. I need his power in my life. I need him. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you did a long time ago and then life got in the way things got messed up. Maybe you want to come back home to him this morning. I want to give you that opportunity and that invitation. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come forward or any of that. Just as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you this morning and you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give him my life, whether that's for the first time or the hundredth time, it's an opportunity to come back to him. I want you to just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. God, we come before you in this moment and we offer all of our junk to you. All of the sins, all of the baggage. We know that we can't save ourselves. We've tried. We've tried to be good enough. We know that we can't be perfect. We know that to stand before a holy God, we just don't measure up. But Jesus, Jesus does. And he paid the price for our sins. And so God, we put our faith in you. We trust you. We trust in the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. And we come before you right now and ask for you to change us. Fill us with your spirit. Help us make choices to follow you every single day. Use our lives as broken as they may be for your glory to change the world around us, to bring your kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. God, use us in this grand story of what you're doing on the earth. We may not feel worthy, but you speak to us as your sons and your daughters. You have a purpose and a plan for us, and we want more of that, God. We want to trust you. We give you our lives. Make something of it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.